0: We're starting now with chapter 3 of Tanya. And chapter 3 is a very, very important chapter of Tanya because here the Altarab is laying down the foundation and the structure of insight. He's not creating it, it's there. But teaching us what we have, treasures within us. That means in our Godly soul, there's tremendous treasures. If you know what they are, and you're able to access them, you will be guaranteed to be able to live a much better, more meaningful, fulfilled, and happy life, a life full with vitality, in an easy way, as the said in the introduction of Tanya. So today we're going to learn about the spiritual structure of the godly soul. And the Alterer explains that in the spiritual structure of the godly soul, it's made up of ten sfirot. Ten Holy Powers, which we've discussed many times in the class, but since today, this is the chapter we're going to talk about, and also the practical application of it. And that is, namely, two parts. Part number one, called, as he calls it in this chapter, the Mothers, which is Chachma Bina Indas, which is the package of intellect. So the godly soul has within it, Chachma binadas. now what does it mean it has Chachma bina we know God is infinite. Yeah, God is infinite, but in the finite soul that he gave that we can connect to, he had to give something that we can relate to, so he watered down these powerful energies that came from God into Chachma bina which we'll explain each one in a moment, the package is the intellectual package, and also the Sfirot, which are seven Sfirot in general, uh, generally speaking, it's um, uh, uh, six, which is Chesed, Gwur, Teferis, Netzachod, Yesod, and Malchut. And more generally speaking, the general midot are Chesed, and Gvurah, which is Ava, and Yira, as we will explain now. Okay, so the author explains like this as follows, and he says as follows that ultimately, what is life? Life is being alive we're not in your head that's not being alive that's a computer if you know everything right you studied every book and you have a deep comprehension of everything and nothing went past your head into your heart you are for all practical purposes a computer a lot of data but what's the human being about could you give someone a hug a kiss a relationship (laughs) could you cry could you be happy no it's data Ultimately, what is it about? It's about living a life. And where do you live? You live from your heart. Now, not that's this physical life, but more importantly, in our case, we're talking about living a life of Torah and mitzvot, which means living a godly life, a godly life where we're connected to God. We love God, we're in awe of God, the emotions. We're studying Torah, but not just academically, but we're studying Torah with our whole human be- whole being we're doing mitzvot with our whole being, all 613 commandments, whatever we're able to accomplish, and we pray, we're not just academically praying, but we're actually moved with our heart towards a relationship with God, and a deep and deeper relationship with God. And, as the Altarist says, in his introduction to Tanya, that ki haidah alach he quotes from the Torah, that this idea, studying Torah, doing mitzvot, having a relationship with God, is very close to you, b'ficha, in your mouth, lip service, Obilvavcha in your heart, and we'll get back to heart in a second, sosa to do it. So to speak words of Torah, that's easy. Put, on, put a, something in your ear, or read, and you can say words of Torah. You, you haven't changed at all, you're saying words of Torah. To do, you can do a lot of mitzvot, and you haven't changed. Like for example, a person can go into a prayer service, say all the words, and he walks out, the same person he walked in. A person could do mitzvot from the morning to the night, and we know plenty of people do that, but personality-wise, the relationship with God hasn't changed. The relationship with other human beings hasn't changed. They're still not treating people nicer. So there's a missing link. What's that missing link? The missing link is the part that the altar ever says, Bilvavcha. That serving God is not just academically, not just functionally, but serving God with your heart. Now, that is what the altar commits in the beginning of Tanya, in this introduction, that this is what we're going to learn in the book of Tanya, how to serve God with your heart. Now, wouldn't that be a great life to be able to have your heart flowing with love and awe for God, for human beings, for people? You'd be alive, right? And the more you're able to open up the heart, the more alive you'd be, and the more you're opening the heart based on direction of Torah and mitzvot, the better life you're gonna have. So, how does one go about creating this openness of keyword bilvavcha with your heart? So, here in this chapter, the altar creates the structure, and as he takes us on a journey into the sfirot into the powerful elements of the intellect, intellectual pr- powers and emotional powers that's in our godly soul, in our godly soul, and by showing us a map and showing us the link from the intellect to the emotions, we're able to um, create bridges between the godly intellect and the godly emotions and we can start living like a real Jew should live, with real passion and excitement. Who wants to do that? Everyone. All right, so let's go for it. Okay, so the algebra says like this. The way the structure works is, God gave us a brain. Now, in the brain, He gave us three parts. Namely, Chachma, and I'll explain, Bina and Das. What is Chachma? Chachma is basically, let's say you're thinking about something. You're trying to create an understanding of something. So you think, and you think, and you read, and you discuss, and all of a sudden, ah, I got it. And I say, what is it? You know, explain it to me. I got it, but I I, I can't really explain to you what it is. I have it, like, it's like, you know, it's like you're trying to catch a fish, you feel like you almost got it, but you can't pull the fish out, right? You got the idea, but you you can't develop it. And matter of fact, essentially, Kachma comes from the word of Koyach, the power of ma What is it? Like, I'm still asking what it is. I know, I know I have something, but what I'm still left with, what is it? I'm not sure what it is. That is the power of It Means you have something. If I give nothing, I have no idea. No, no, I have something. I just I'm not sure what it is. Right? You ever get that feeling? You're trying to solve an issue, solve a problem, and you're thinking and you discuss it with this one, that one, and you are still not satisfied. You feel like you got something, but you still you still don't know what it is. That is what's called Chachma. You got something. You're not sure what it is. We're talking in the in the in the intellectual comprehension, the godly intellect. Then you have, that's right-oriented, ideas. It's a bunch of ideas, but nothing uh, materialized. And then you have something which is called Bina. What is Bina? Bina is ready, where you can really break down this idea into details. What it is, what it isn't, how it works, how it doesn't work, and so on and so forth. Um, Let's go back a little so they can see. There you go, perfect, excellent. Okay. I was thinking maybe he's going to put me in another room. No, no, right there is perfect. Sure right there is perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay. Um, so, Bina is what? The development, more details of the idea. That's Bina. Having a deeper understanding. So now you got the idea. Someone asks you, what does it explain, and you're able to explain in detail what it is, what it isn't, the more, you know, explanation and analogies and so on and so forth. that's the idea of Bina. Then you have something which is called Das. What is Das? Das is already where you're able to apply yourself to it intellectually. Not yet emotionally. In other words, let's say you have this, you know, this idea, boom, you're able to have all the details, but so what, what can you do with it? Das is the power that you're able to relate it to reality, you're able to do something with it. You're able to, so to speak, close the intellectual deal. I got it. I see how it applies here, applies there, and you're able to use it intellectually. Now, so far, which world are we in? In the world of intellect. I have an idea not sure exactly what it is. Oh, I developed the idea, and then I'm able to apply the idea. Now, certain people are extremists in Chachma. They come up with ideas all day long, but tell them to explain it they can't. Certain people can give you, they can't come up with one idea. You come up with an idea, they'll steal your idea, and they can go ahead and talk about it for three hours. And certain people can't come up with ideas, they can't explain it, once someone explains them, they're already making sale. They already know how to make a business out of it. They're always stealing someone else's idea, someone else's, yeah, and they're already making a Now that's three extreme extreme cases. Everybody has a different blend of Chachmah, bin and Das depending on who they are and so on and so forth. So that is what the the, the, the godly power of Chachmah, bin and Das that we each have, we each have that. That means if I tell you, listen, you want to have a better relationship with God? Okay. You have a brain. We all have brains. God gave us a brain. God gave us a godly soul. In the godly soul we have the brain. So you want to have a relationship with God? Okay. Step number one. In order to have a relationship with God and as we said before, to be inspired with your heart, it has to go through the intellectual process. Modern terminology, you you might call it meditation, I don't want to give it a term, but I'll explain to you what it is and you can decide on what it is. So I say to you, listen, you you want to have a relationship with God? Okay. What do you know about God? Well, I know nothing. Okay, so there's no relationship, right? So first, what do you think God is? So you can read up, about it, read up about it in the Torah. You can read up about it in the Maimonides. You know, big thing, because I thought about it. As a matter of fact, in the Maimonides in the beginning talks about God, what he is and what he isn't, and so on and so forth. It's a matter of fact, that we are now studying it now, because we started our new cycle in Rambam, so now we're studying the idea about God. Right in the beginning of Maimonides, um, other great, uh, you know, uh, Kabbalistic thinkers talk about God and you think and you, can't, you have to, you know saying, it has to be your idea. You know, it's even you, the idea is ultimately you want to get it. The fact that someone else got it, until you don't study it, it doesn't become your idea, so you don't own it yet. Once you get some idea, then you get more into it and more details of what God is and what God isn't and so on and so forth. And then you start looking around at the world, like for example you go out and you see these beautiful trees, right? He says, wow! Who created these trees? Who maintains these trees? And the skies, right? And the earth, and the water, and so on and so forth. So in other words, by meditating on God, and the deeper and more you meditate on God, the more you'll have a better understanding of God. As you develop a deeper understanding of God, now what happens is, you and God have a relationship, what kind so far? Intellectual. Which is great. The more time you think about spending god about god spend thinking about God, the more you're gonna develop that powerful relationship with God. You'll have a deep understanding. And actually now your intellect of your godly soul that was dormant, that was sleeping, all of a sudden is alive. There's data in there. There's information there. There's details there. There is now when you walk outside and you see a tree and you see water and you see skies that you meditate and you thought about it, all of a sudden you're going to have a different reaction to it. In other words, it's like, it's like anything, you know, the expression of the Talmud is that, let's say for example, somebody gives you a gift of $100. And in the same day you worked very, very hard for an hour and you earned 10 bucks. What's more valuable to you? The $10 that you earned or the $100 someone gave you? The proof is very simple. See how you spend it. See how you spend it. I guarantee the $100 you're going to spend on something very, very quick, frivolous, f- frivolous something that you're not going not to be too much of value. The $10 that you earned, you're going to spend it differently. Why? Because you earned it. Even though 100 is more than 10, but there's something that's... Planted in that ten dollars that you earned that's much more powerful, much more powerful than the hundred dollars you got to gift, even though it's ten times the amount. Why is that? Because something that you worked for is yours. I'm not talking the bill, the ten dollar bill. Sure the ten dollar bill is yours and the hundred is also yours. But what's really yours? Where is there an investment of energy on the ten dollars? That's yours. So the same thing also. Whatever you got as a gift from your parents, by osmosis, at home, or from about God, that's a gift. It's great. Don't get me wrong. You still have $100, you can spend it. But it's not yours. But when you sit and study, and you sit and meditate, and you sit and, like, talk to God, now, guess what happens now? Now it becomes your God. Till now, it was your parents' God. All right, listen, it's like the $100, you got it. What does a hundred dollars mean to you? Nothing. You'll go buy something, either you will or you won't. You, you probably won't appreciate the thing you're buying anyway because the, the, the money has zero value to you. So they say, the God of your parents, the God of your parents, yeah, it's still God, and they gave it to you, but you don't really own it. You don't, you're not gonna, you very simple. If you lost it, you wouldn't feel it even that much because you never really, you never invested in it. However, if you spend time studying about God, and developing a relationship with God, and communicating with God, A, if you lose it, God forbid, oh my gosh, it's going to be a serious loss. And B, you're not going to want to lose it. And you're going to want to develop a relationship with it. Why? Because you used the gift that God gave you, your intellect, and you thought about it, and you contemplated about it, and you argued about it, and you sweated over it. Now God becomes real, all invested in a real way in your intellect. So that is level one, you gotta study. Mm-hmm. And the more you study, and the more you meditate, now God becomes real. But so far it's an academic God, but what happens is when a person thinks about God, and a certain thinks with his das in a real way about the way God created this whole world, and the way God created this human being, each and every one of us, and the way God created us in a way that we breathe, we have air, we we have sustenance, and we're alive, and we're healthy, and all these beautiful things God gives us. So what happens is now it starts infiltrating into Godly emotions that we each have, Namely, for right now, we're going to call it as the package of Chesed and Gevura, but for practical language, we're going to talk about ava and Yira. In other words, Chesed refers to the idea of um, kindness and giving, and ava is more about love, right? Love is basically, the, is basically, what is love? Love is when you love someone, you give to the person. Yira is you're in awe of the person, you don't want to lose it. You want to keep that relationship. So as you think about God... And as you meditate on God, all of a sudden you start loving this God. You have this tremendous love for God. What does it mean, a love for God? Now your Godly emotions start, I don't use the word boiling, because it's not, boil, boiling is like in heat, but it, start, it starts being activated. And all of a sudden you have another feeling for God. And you want to, you know, you want to study more about Him. You know, you want to uh, sit down and pray a little more to Him. You want to talk to Him. You want He asked to do a mitzvah, you want to do any mitzvah you can. Why? Because by doing a mitzvah you're actually listening to God. So the more you study about God, and the more intellectually, now it trickles in to your emotions that you love God. And once the love kicks in, now you're not only showing up physically, not only you're showing up academically to fill your brain, but you're actually now living God. You're loving God. You're living Judaism. You have this love for God. You want to do more. You want to study more. You want to pray more. Why? Because it's already it went out of the realm of intellect. Now you're in the realm of real life. You want to do another mitzvah. You want to see how you can help this person. You know, how do you know love kicks in? When you start doing automatically. When you want to do more. Like it you knows. Let's see if the love is not there. And you say, "Listen, I'm going to study every day. I want to, you know God's my God. I'm going to go to class. Let's say once a day for an hour." whether it's at home, on the internet, on the phone, whatever it may be, with a friend, I'm giving you an hour. Okay? Does that mean you're in love with God? No. No. You're feeding your, your, your academic intellect. Which is good, don't get me wrong, do it. Do it. But when will you know when it, when it starts to prime the motor of your emotions? When you're not happy with one hour. You want, you want more. Fine, sometimes you'll have the time, sometimes you won't have the time. Let's say you have a spouse to take care of, you have kids, you have parents, you have work. Fine, there's always going to be a conflict. A person's torn, you want, you know, because you love a lot of things, now you have a conflict. You're always trying to do everything that you love, right? It's hard to do everything. But at least the fact that you love, love it so much that you want to study an extra 10 minutes, an extra hour, that's a good sign. Whether you could do it or not, that's a separate issue. But the mere fact that you want to study more or do more or pray more, that's a sign, guess what? The emotions were primed. Now already you starting to live. Now, yes, when you start living, there's conflict. Oh, I want to study for another hour, but I got to go, I promise my friend I'm going here, I have to go you know, to my, visit my parents, or whatever it may be, I have, to, I, have another, uh, I have to go to work. Fine, that's okay. In other words, being alive is being alive. There's, there's life crises, there's life conflict. I want to go here, I want to go there. You can't do everything. But you know, guess what? As long as you're alive. Like people tell me, Rabbi, I'm so busy. I said, great, I'm happy you're busy. Busy people, busy means that you're busy doing stuff. Imagine you are not busy. I'm not just talking about quantitatively busy. Busy means I have so many interests, I have so many things that I'm involved in. Not just as a computer, not just as a machine, but as a real human being. I want to do this, I want to do that. You know, could you do everything? No, so today you do this, tomorrow you do something else, and you somehow it works out at the end. So the goal is, that from the intellect, it should feed down into your, into your emotions. And now, the godly heart is pumping. So you love God. Now what happens when you love God? Love, love, according to Kabbalah mysticism, well how do you know if you're in love with something? You want to spend time with it. Exactly. <coughs> love by definition means, you're drawn to it. You're drawn to it. So if it's God, you're drawn to God. If it's another human being, a spouse, a child, a parent, a friend, um, you know, everything in its appropriate uh, manner. Love means that you're drawn to it. Some people are drawn to food and to other materialistic stuff. Love means you're drawn to it. So love is basically when the flow of energy is drawn towards something, whatever and whoever it may be. That is, On the right side, love. What's on the other hand, what's Yira? Yira is what? You're in awe of it. That's an emotion. You know, you study about God, you think about God, oh my gosh, God is like, whoa! This is like way beyond anything I can relate to. Now, what happens when you're in awe of God? I didn't say, see, there's different levels, when we say Yira, there's different levels. We're talking high level Yira. Low level Yira, just for the record, low level Yira is where you're afraid, for example, of a punishment. Uh, that would be the lowest level. Next level above that, from the bottom to the top, would be you're afraid, God forbid, of messing up. That's, that's Yira, but the lower level. We're talking high level Yira. High level Yira means you're in awe. Whoa, you're blown away by this thing. God, I mean, like, how did he create this whole world? I mean, this guy has power. Created the world, maintains the world. I couldn't even create one leaf if I had to. You know, it's funny, my kids were eating the other day in the house raspberries. I said, try to create one of them. And they go, it's impossible. And go, it's impossible. And like, you imagine? We had a whole box of it, right? And who created it? And there's millions of them, right? And if you, so if you stop and you think about it for a second, wow, how does he do this? And wouldn't you mean, or I mean, unless we're just living by robots and we're just totally numb about life. But if you're not numb about life, and you need stop for a moment. And matter of fact, that's what we make a blessing before. Why do we make a blessing before we eat? Stop. Who created this food? Yeah, I know your spouse made it for you, but they didn't create it. Who created the food? Who? Oh, God created it. So we stop and say, hold on a second. God created this. She and they so, one second so so in other words so if you stop for a moment and you say oh god created this i'm not talking functionally intellectually if I, oh god created it. very nice let's go, on. let's go let's go eat dinner no 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 god created it yes. so if god created it he created this thing and now i'm consuming it so if god has the power to create things and he gave me things that i can consume and have energy i mean isn't this god amazing shouldn't i stop and thank him yes. so you can say the blessing again functionally like a, a robot like a computer, where you say, no, oh, God created this. He created for me that I can have the energy to live and do mitzvot, etc. I'm going to bless him. So I'm going to say, Baruch, ad-dur, baruch ad-dur. I'm going to say, Baruch atah, right? i going to say each word and think what I'm saying. Blessed are you God, the king, right, of the world. I mean, you have to think what you're saying. God is the king. He creates everything. you got to feel it. you got to feel it. you got to feel it. I'm saying it with awe. Exactly. There you go Bingo. Saying it with awe. I say a blessing should be said with awe. Whoa! I mean, take anything in your house that you had for breakfast, lunch, or dinner today. Can anybody create any part of it? I said the word create. I didn't say cook. Nobody. So God created it all. We cannot create anything. We can only do something from something. We cannot create something from nothing. So the only one that created something from nothing is God. So everything that we consume was once nothing, right, at one point didn't exist. God put it into existence. So therefore we say, Baruch Look how your life changes now. You know, when you practice being grateful, you know what happens, you know what you're really doing? Practically simple English. When you're being grateful, what do you think you're doing? Giving thanks. That's the functional part. What are you really doing? What? Being Being in awe. Being in awe. You're being in awe, that's true. What else are you doing? No, you're being aware of the godly presence in your... um, You know what you're doing. You're feeling worthy of this wonderful. True. What else? What? Given. That's true. But come on, let's get let's get basic, simple. Talk basic, simple English. You're opening yourself to an opportunity for Hashem to bless you even more. Okay, getting warmer. You're getting warmer. Getting warmer. What are you doing? You're loving God. That's true. But look. We're you give call us joy. What Again, nothing. everything everyone said is correct. I'm not, yeah. dis- I'm not disagreeing with you. Everything everyone said is correct. Tell us, Rabbi. The, po- the point know. I make, it, what you're really doing is, you're priming the pump of your emotions. You're waking up your emotions. Don't be just a robot that's sitting there and it's consuming physical food. Be alive. Yes. So when you stop and you're grateful... You, but the biggest gift you're giving is ultimately to yourself that you're actually priming your pump, you're alive. That's the biggest gift. Otherwise, you're just a machine. Or a computer. Or someone has to be manually fed to stay alive. But when you actually say Baruch Atah and you actually mean it, you're becoming alive. Yes. True, you're thanking God. Absolutely, and true, you're being grateful and you're thankful, all that stuff is true. But you're really priming yourself to be alive, not just a robot, just going to the next thing in life. So life takes on a whole new meaning. Life becomes meaningful. Life becomes... Joyful. Joyful. Life becomes a life of living. Real life. So, ultimately, the goal of the intellect is to prime the pump of the emotions. You should have a life of love which is giving in awe, being grateful. Now, so in the altar of terms, what is the goal? The goal is to live a life, whether it's what you're doing daily, whether it's prayer, Torah study, doing mitzvot, or just even living life, eating, sleeping, whatever you're doing, It should be primed with your heart, but your heart not just excited about the external part of life, but excited because God created the world, God gave you all this stuff, and now I'm inspired. I'm inspired to do all this stuff. So the question is, how do you take somebody, or yourself, and go from an uninspired state and become inspired? I say to you, hey, you're not in a good mood. (laughs) Bingo, get into a good mood. But I can't, I'm not in a good mood, right? How do you become in a good mood? So here is the author key. Not only the key, but the tool that will allow you to take yourself and anyone else, at any moment in your life, to go from an uninspired state to an inspired state by doing what? Simple. Thinking about God, meditating about God, and applying that meditation in real life and priming the pump to get, to get inspired, to, to, and you'll automatically be inspired, you'll prime yourself to be inspired. And as you use a tool of Chochmah, oh my gosh, let me think about it, like, in other words like this, I cannot, you, cannot, you cannot inspire someone or, or, uh, or push someone to be inspired, I'm not inspired. But, one hundred, or yourself for that matter. But you have 100% control to meditate about anything that you want even though you're not really moved by it. Because you will get moved by it. So let's say I tell you, listen, yes, what are you talking about, look, look at this beautiful world God gave us. Okay. <laughs> Means nothing to me, right? What am I going to do? You can't do anything. But I tell you, hold on. I want you to stop for a moment. Stop what you're doing. Think for a moment about this world that we're living in. Well, let's not even get to the world. Think about your own self. Look at your own, your own physical existence. You have a body right, that you didn't create. Somebody created it. It grows. You have eyes to see. You have a mouth to speak and to eat. You have ears you hear. Um, you have hands, you have feet, right? Take for the next 10 minutes, I want you to meditate about that. I want you to think about yourself. And think of where, where are you living from? Where do you have this energy from? Where, where do you have the energy to move? And to do all these different functions, and to comprehend things, and to, where, where's it from? Oh. God created us. okay, great. I want you to think about what it took God to create this. And he created you, and you're alive. And start thinking about the fact that you have the ability to function. So that, even though you're not in the mood of, of you know, if someone's not inspired, they're not inspired. It's an emotion, You're not the, you don't have it, you don't have it. But you could start meditating about yourself, your parents, your children, your friends, the world, the water, the trees, all the other blessings that exist in this world. That you have a hunch and power. You can, think about, you can think about things. Whether you agree with it or not, you can still think about it. And as you start thinking about it, guess what happens? You kickstart it. You think about more. More details. And then you start applying it to reality. And all of a sudden you start saying, oh my gosh. The love comes automatic. And you see, and you see God in everything. And you see God in everything. Absolutely. So the point is, so let's say you go to shul to pray right and you read the prayer service you'll walk in you'll walk out you'll be the same person but when you s- sit there and you read the prayer service and you take a page you can do it all but it'll take many many hours and you think about the way the, the prayer service they talk about the greatness of god the way he created the trees and the waters and you stop and you spend 30 minutes i was speaking yesterday to a uh, rabbi in jerusalem he told me that he does every every single day so, like, let's see, the chakra prayer service takes an average 40 minutes to 50 minutes, an average. So, He told me, just the Shmona Esri, which takes an average, most people, between, let's say, 5 and 12 minutes. I mean, you can go more or less, 40 minutes every single day. What's his point? They, he, they, they study, they, they, they read, they meditate, they apply it, and you know what? When you listen to someone like that talk, he's a transformed human being because every single prayer is internalized now obviously there's the communal prayer service but the truth is that prayer is really supposed to be from your heart and even in the communal prayer service in the Chabad world you you don't necessarily have to be with the Chazan's holding you have to pray at your own pace there is a structure for a service for whatever reason the structure people know there's a beginning a middle and end some people come in the beginning however you want to you know wherever you spend more time on but prayer is about really meditating about something that catches you, think about it, and if you think about it long enough, that will move you, it will prime a certain emotion in you. Once it primes that emotion in you, guess what happens? Now you become a living human being. You're alive. You're inspired. So even, so even though you cannot kickstart your heart and you go straight for the heart, but by going through the axis panel of the intellect, you will eventually Prime your heart and your heart will be in awe of God and with tremendous love for God. And basically that is the essence of the third chapter of Tanya, which gives us an, a, a, a view of what the um, back room or the inside structure of the godly soul is, intellect and emotions, and the way, the way to reach the emotions is strictly to the intellect. We each have the intellect. And e- we each can access it and the only thing we need to do is how much time are going to spend meditating on things that we think about. Some people might go quicker, some people take a little longer, but eventually if you think about God and the world that He created and the human beings that He created and everything else in between and you meditate on it and you apply it it will start taking shape and you'll start feeling a love for God and you'll start being an awe for God and you'll live a totally different life. The practical application would be, you know, is being grateful. Like for example, let's say you know, you're, you're, you're a parent and you have children or you're a teacher and you have students. The biggest gift you can teach your ch- children or students is to be grateful. Why? Because grateful is basically like the oil that goes between the intellect and the emotions. Because when, what, do you, what, what does grateful mean? Grateful means you're acknowledging intellectually that someone out there did something for you and guess what? The the, the heart has to start pumping, has to start kicking, the love and awe has to start going. That's what grateful is saying. One plus one is two. If someone did something for you, shouldn't you be grateful? What you're really saying is, Hello, use your head. I want to see your emotions start kicking in and now say thank you. What you're really doing is you're just allowing them to be a human being. Like if you tell them, listen, hey, say thank you. I don't want to say thank you. I don't feel they did anything for me. Okay. Grateful is different. Grateful means it's a process. Is it it correct they did something for you? Yes. Okay. So now automatically they're going to say thank you. And I do think that if we practice this consistently, Every single day, many times a day, we will be total different people and people that we have an influence on, family, friends, will also be transformed in a real way and their emotions will be flying to the roof.